0: This is Revive Chicago. Listen and be changed.
1: This morning I really felt like, like God has a word for us and some
0: parts of it are even a little bit corrective and challenging and some of it I think is encouraging. As is most of scripture, like you read it, and you're like, oh man, that meant a lot to me. And then you read the next verse and you're like, oh, that was a dagger to my heart. It's so convicting. And so we're going to go from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to start us off
1: today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we'll start in verse 1. I'm going to read it and then we will um, get some context to it too, which will be good. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1,
0: it says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord, there are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given the spirit of met the spirit uh, sorry, to one there is given through the spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit.
1: And he gives them to each one just as he determines. There's a lot going on here, but...
0: This message is going to start, we're talking about the, the spiritual gifts. And this is kind of a popular message to talk about spiritual gifts. And a lot of times in Christianity, it's, it's been, especially in recent years, it's been this like, what's my gift? I got to find my gift. And then when you find your gift, you're like, well, I got the gift of prophecy and you got the gift of tongues and you got the, you've got the gift of service. <laughs> and, you know, like we kind of start to designate and say which gifts people have.
1: And we actually are completely missing the whole point of this passage, because who's the who's the giver of the gift? I want to actually hear it. Uh, who's the giver of the gifts? <laughs> the Spirit, right? Yeah, God, right? You're not. You guys weren't wrong. I just wanted a
0: little bit more interaction. <laughs> Everybody's like, uh, if the answer's not Jesus. I'm not sure. <laughs> That's how we were in Sunday school when I was a kid. You're like, Ah, Jesus. (laughs) And you were usually right. But what Paul here, he's writing to the church in Corinth. And what's interesting about the church in Corinth is they were a very spiritual church. They were a very spiritual group. They had a lot of manifestations of the spirit. They had a lot of prophecies, tongues, and healings, and manifestations of the spirit of God. But what they started doing was a little bit similar to what we do today. And they decided, well, this is my gift. I have the gift of prophecy and you have the gift of tongues. And you, and so then they would actually treat it through their, they, remember, they'd just gotten saved. Like probably when they, when this church got planted, they, this church might've been two, three, four years old. So they're like literally coming out of paganism with 50, 60, 100 gods. And what they would do in their pagan religion, in their pagan mindset, is fight over whose God was more powerful. And if any of you are familiar with Greek mythology or Roman mythology, and you've got like this pantheon of gods, and there's this hierarchy of who's more powerful, and Zeus and Achilles, and like you got all of these different gods, and they're fighting for power, they're fighting for position. And that's what was happening in the church in Corinth. People were using their spiritual gifts to fight for positions
1: in the church and they were arguing over who was more spiritual and i must be more spiritual than you
0: because i've got the gift of prophecy but the person who spoke in tongues was like no i'm speaking in tongues nobody can understand what i'm saying i'm more spiritual than you. and so they would like gather together in a service and they were talking over each other and so later on you see in like chapter 14 and paul's like okay One should speak and then another should prophesy after them. And and if anybody's going to speak in tongues, then there should be an interpretation. And so he's like giving order to the service because when they would gather together, they were actually trying to exert their spiritual gifts over the other people. Because that's kind of how their pagan mindset was. That's how they thought about their experience with God. And as they're looking through a past pagan lens. And how many of us know, even for ourselves today, we tend to look at scripture, we tend to look at God through the lens of our past. Things we understand, things we've understood, and there's things that need to still come into alignment with his word. But we don't have the same past that they had. And most Americans don't. Like, most Americans have generally come from, like, a Jewish, Christian, or Muslim background or a nothing background and they're atheist or sort of atheist, right? Like in America, it's pretty rare unless you meet people from the Eastern, uh, Eastern religions to be, to meet people who believe in a multiple, in a multiple gods, right? And it's really interesting to talk to a Hindu. I've had conversations with like a, a Hindu person before and they've got like, I think somebody counted them on, there's like a million gods listed in their different book, holy books. I'm like, well, what's not a God then? (laughs) Right? Like everything could be a God. Like don't step on that rock. It might be a God. Right. And like, they believe in so many different gods. And so when I started talking to them about Jesus and they were like, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. And they just kind of add him to their list of gods. You're Like, okay, but you need to understand he's the only one. And they're like, oh, that's cool, like, but they just they don't get it. They have, they have a different mindset because their background is different. And so they would actually have to kind of, they would have to come out of that pagan idea that there's many gods into that belief and understanding that there's one God. And so what Paul's doing here is he's addressing them and reminding them it's one spirit. The same spirit, remember we talked a few weeks ago about the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in me, it's in you. But well, if that's the case, then it doesn't really matter whether you prophesy and you speak in tongues and you have gifts of healing and so forth. Like it doesn't really matter who does what, as long as we're flowing by that one
1: spirit. So these gifts are important, but they're just they're gifts. They're gifts. And I find that. Sometimes we start to identify with our gifts. And we think that we are that gift. I'm a prophet. Oh, I saw healing happen
0: through me, so I need to start a healing ministry. I saw, and
1: and we we're actually misconstruing the gift for the gift giver. And so any given service, we could have. Totally different people prophesy that. We don't have to have like one person designated in
0: this congregation as a prophet. We don't have to have one person designated in this congregation as the person to go to for healing. But I want those things to happen. I want to see the spiritual gifts made manifest in our church, in our group. And I, I'm telling you, like we sang that song earlier today, you know, I've seen cancer disappear. I've seen metal plates dissolve. Like, like I've seen those things. I've seen, the testimonies of people in church in Kansas City, like holding up the cancer gone, like here's the tumor, here's not the tumor from the doctor. It's amazing. I've seen like the metal plates dissolve. I like there was this lady. um, This was in a church in St. Louis, we were praying for her and she had metal plates in her feet. And so she had this like, Robotic walk, like she couldn't really get her toes on the ground. Right, like I don't know how how to describe it, but her toes wouldn't really touch the ground. And so she she walked it was like she was walking on her heels. Like I almost picture like the Tin Man on uh, <laughs> the Old Wizard of Oz. You know, like she just had this like stiff awkwardness because
1: her feet wouldn't bend. And when we got done praying, her feet were bending and she was walking like normal. I don't know how you do that with metal in your feet. But she had,
0: like, she literally had had the surgeries and had metal in her feet. And that metal either dissolved or God made it like moldable because she wasn't walking that way when she walked out.
1: And so, like, gifts of healing, I, I have seen sometimes through my own hands. But it doesn't mean
0: that because I have the gift of healing that you can't or shouldn't. Because what is it? It's the same spirit. I don't have special access that you don't have. I'm tired of like this church distinction between the person preaching or the pastor and the laity. I think that there needs to be everybody, everybody worshiping, everybody walking in healing, everybody flowing in the gifts of the spirit and you not seeking out and trying to get a gift. You're trying to get the gift giver. And when you get that gift giver, when you get the spirit, you will have healing flow through your hands.
1: You will have tongue speech flow through your mouth. You will have prophetic utterances. All of these gifts. Miraculous powers. We live in an age where people are simultaneously skeptical of
0: the supernatural and yet they have to go and get their fix of marvel. Because they want to see the spectacular. They're looking like, I I bet 2,000 years from now, they're going to look at us just like we look at back at ancient Greece and Rome. And like, they actually believed there were those gods. But man, you should see Superman. (laughs) Like, we're so critical of the past. And then we've created our own heroes. Because people need a hero. People need
1: someone acting powerfully. And it's in us. That same spirit is in us. And so in this context, I'm not going to go like super in depth on each
0: one of these spiritual gifts, because my point today, I'll do that in another sermon, another teaching where I'll like, we'll break down the gifts and talk about what each one is. But for today, what I really want to concentrate on and focus on is that these are gifts of the Spirit
1: that any single one of you can flow in and flow, have flow through you. And it's not a status
0: symbol. It's not something that elevates you. It's not something that confirms you and says, you're good or you're better than someone else. Because this is exactly Paul's point, is that you're not. The Spirit gives just as He determines. But we tend to look at people and we hold back gifts from other people because we judge them and think, oh, they're not ready yet. Or, oh, they're not like, and God usually uses the person that's like going to confound you the most to show you. Like God humbles me through my kids a lot. Oh, yeah, there's a scripture like through the mouths of infants and children, he will ordain praise. Like there's passages
1: that talk about that because we need that humility. Here at this church, we talk about how there's no junior Holy Spirit.
0: It's one of the reasons why we do kids' church the way we do kids' church is because we believe that, yeah, they might have a shorter attention span, but we believe that the Holy Spirit can flow through them, can use them, can speak through them. And so we teach them at a young age to connect with the Spirit and to flow with the Spirit of God. And Paul here is addressing the church in Corinth, and he's not saying...
1: Don't let these manifestations happen. He's saying stop using the manifestations of the Spirit as leverage over someone else. Don't start to identify with your gifts like, I'm a healer, I'm a prophet, I'm a tongues interpreter. They're gifts, they're just gifts. Because that's one of the other things, like, Paul says we can eagerly desire the greater gifts, but, so it's not a bad thing to desire them. But my point here is, if they're gifts, then it's not anything you did. Some of you have probably tried to earn the gift of prophecy. You've tried to convince God about the gift of healing.
0: Well, how come I don't see it? They see it. How come I don't see it? Are they better than me? And we start to
1: compare. And we wonder why these gifts aren't flowing through us. And it's just simply because we haven't received it yet.
0: If it's a gift, then it's just like, picture yourself at Christmas and someone's
1: handing you something wrapped in a bow. Like that's what it is that you're receiving. It's a gift. Gifts aren't earned. If it's earned, it's a reward. Scripture talks about rewards. and There are rewards
0: for serving Him. But the gifts are just freely given. And they're given by the Spirit. And so if we're trying to attain them and trying to earn them,
1: then it shows we're approaching it with a wrong mindset, with a wrong attitude, and we're undermining the very gift, like the gift giver. Gifts are not for comparison or elevation. If you get one of these gifts, use it. But don't abuse it. Many times, many times I've seen the gifts abused by people who don't have character, by people who haven't developed character. I read a line by John Bevere, and he said, We will be judged according to our fruit, not our gifting. A gift is given, but fruit is cultivated. We will be judged by our fruit, not our gifting. The giftings aren't earned. Stop trying to earn
0: them. Stop trying to convince God to give you all of them. Stop trying to convince God to give you this,
1: what is in your mind a status symbol. Because it's not. You've just got to receive. Just like you received salvation. Salvation is a gift. You didn't earn it. You can't earn it. You couldn't have earned it if you wanted to.
0: And at some point you came to realize, understand, and accept that fact. I can't earn salvation. I can't, in and of myself, make myself right with God. So I'm going to accept this free gift of salvation through something he
1: earns, through something he purchased. And this is a big part of the kingdom of God, receiving gifts. But we will be judged according to our fruit. I'd like you to turn with me over to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. And this is a famous verse. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Okay, this is the part where it gets a little convicting, right? Because if gifts
0: are given, fruit is cultivated. If you're not seeing these fruits in your lives, it's because this is not what you're cultivating. You're trying to cultivate, you've got it misconstrued
1: in your mind, and you're trying to cultivate the gifts while neglecting the fruit. It's the same spirit, right?
0: The fruit of the spirit, the gifts of the spirit. But there's a distinction between the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit. The gifts are freely given. The fruit is something you have to cultivate. It's something you have to grow in. You have to grow in love. God started the process. He gave us the gift of love. Like We realized suddenly when we gave our life to Jesus that we were loved. He started the
1: process. But if you don't cultivate that gift, then what's going to happen? Bitterness, anger, hatred start to creep in, in your garden. The weeds of life. Joy has to be cultivated. You have to tend to it. You have to feed it. It's not going to just happen. And this is where we get it flipped backwards,
0: right? We, we tend to the gifts because the gifts make us feel strong. The gifts make us feel powerful. And so we cultivate our gifts and seek out our gifts. And if we've got, we've got the spirit of prophecy, then we start reading books on prophecy and we start studying
1: prophecy and dreams and visions and we're getting super into it. And we neglect love and joy and peace. Oh, and patience. We all need some
0: patience. <laughs> right? Like, oh, that one's one I I don't like to tend to that one. God, please don't test me in this area. <laughs> right? Like, I want
1: to avoid this area. <laughs> patience. <sighs> the only person who wants lots of patience is a doctor. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> no, we all do. We should want lots of patience. We just don't want to be tested and have to cultivate it, right?
0: And so we get this backwards and we flip it. And so too many people, too many people, too many believers rather, we we end up leading through our gifting and not through the fruit. You shouldn't be leading through your gift of prophecy. You shouldn't be leading through your gift of tongues. You should be leading through love.
1: If you get it flipped, then you're going to end up hurting other people with your gift. It's a gift. It's a good gift. But if you get it backwards, you're going to hurt people with that gift. Because
0: you're only trying, and you don't realize that you're being, like you're, you're, you're in your own mind. This is how
1: we get deceived, right? In our own mind. I'm helping people. I'm prophesying over somebody. But the deceitful part is that we've neglected the fruit of the Spirit. And so we've taken that gift of prophecy and we're prophesying without love. We're speaking in tongues without joy. We're walking in healing with no patience. So there's all these spiritual gifts,
0: and I find Christianity, modern Christianity, has pursued these gifts, which is not
1: wrong, but they've pursued them as an end to themselves. While neglecting the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness. Goodness, kind, like, these are words that are just thrown around all the time. Like, oh, you got to be kind to people.
0: Everybody knows they're supposed to be kind. But how many people are actually cultivating this in their own heart and life?
1: What does it look like for you to be kind? What does it look like for you to be gentle? What does it look like for you? To be patient. And to work on that. If I wrote, think think of this, guys, like if
0: I wrote a book called The Spiritual Gifts and then had chapters on healing and tongues and prophecy, I could probably sell that book really well. But if I wrote a book on the gifts of the spirit and had a chapter on love, joy, peace,
1: patience, how many people are buying that? You know what I mean? Like, how do you even market that? If I wrote a book called Patience, are
0: you buying that book? (laughs) right? No, you're buying the prophecy book.
1: You're buying the, how do I walk in healing? I want to see signs and wonders. We've gotten it backwards. And so we've cultivated the gifts and neglected the fruit. But Paul here says it's all the same spirit. It's the spirit that does it. But if it's the spirit that prophesies, then you just got to let it out of your mouth. But if it's the spirit that's working in you to bring peace and
0: patience and kindness, oh, don't even get me started on (laughs) self-control. I'll put that one last on purpose, right? He's like baiting us, right? Like love, joy, peace. Like it's so happy, right? And then you get to self-control. You're like, oh, that one of these is not like the others,
1: <laughs> right? Like self-control, that like, that covers so many things. My mom used to say that old line, right? If you don't have anything good to say, don't say it at all, right? Like, that takes some self-control. And this could... Self-control applies to spiritual discipline. It it applies to hygienic
0: discipline. It applies to physical discipline. It applies to eating discipline. Like, all of these different areas that are not fun. And then, you know what we try to do? We we think self-control. So then what do we... Like, self-control. And we... Disconnect it from the
1: spirit. How does self-control work with the spirit? Because most of the world
0: is trying to push their own self-control, their own discipline
1: through their own strength. The self-control that God gives us is also through the spirit of God. This is empowering. This is enabling. This isn't push you down. Self-control, amazingly, is not at conflict with the Spirit of God. It dovetails right into it. That's pretty awesome. So
0: you don't have to do self-control on your own. You have the Spirit of God helping you because this is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not it's not the fruit
1: of Ben it's not the fruit of Steve it's not the fruit of Aaron it's not the fruit like it's the spirit Hmm I feel like I need to read these again then The fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness oh i did not even bring up faithfulness faithfulness is a tough one in our day right like hey how many people aspire to be faithful you know like it's not it's not the virtue people bring up but faithful has such staying
0: power such loyalty there's there's something about it for showing up regular and in people's lives. And faithful, we could talk about faithful to the church or faithful to God, but it's also faithful to your spouse, faithful to your family, faithful to your friends, faithful to like, there's so many areas where faithfulness must work and you must cultivate it in a faithless generation.
1: In a generation that drops plans at the the drop of a hat, that changes things up, we're always looking for the latest and greatest, the next best thing. We keep our options open.
0: We don't want to have set plans until the last minute because we want to keep our options open in case something better comes up.
1: We don't want to commit to things. In order to be faithful, you have to be, you have to be committed to something. If you're not committed to anything, what are you faithful to? Faithfulness implies commitment gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Oh, so we're not living by our giftings. We're living in step with the Spirit. And if we're in step with the Spirit, and we're cultivating the gifts and the fruit, that's how we're supposed to live and walk. But we've neglected one significantly. And we've promoted the other, and we've promoted people in the church with those gifts.
0: Right? Oh, prophet so-and-so, you go online and you can find a prophet, you can find a pastor, you can find a healer, you can find somebody who speaks to you,
1: who encourages you. And those are the people we promote. And then we wonder why church leaders fall all the time. Because they were given a great gift, but they did not cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. Scripture says elsewhere in Romans that the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. That means you probably got the gifts really early on in your walk with him, or you're going to get the gifts really early on in your walk with him. And that's not a bad thing. God's not sitting there like, oh, well, you're not using your gifts, so I'm going to take it back.
0: It says that the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. When he sets that thing in your hands and he says,
1: here, here's the gift. He's not going to take it back. If it doesn't exist, the only re- if it doesn't exist in your life or it's not being
0: made manifest in your life, it's only because you're not using it, right? You're like the five-year-old at Christmas that opens all his toys. And then two weeks later, everything's just sitting in a pile and he's not using any of them and he's waiting for the next thing, right? Like we've got such a short-term experience. Uh, attention span that we never actually tend to the fruit that's necessary to keep those gifts flowing keep those gifts
1: flowing and we start to identify with our giftings instead of working on the fruit how do you cultivate love in your life how do you cultivate joy in your life You've got to find ways to do that. What, is it, what does it look like for you? What does it look like for you to cultivate that love? Do We tell ourselves we're a loving person, right? Like nobody, no, nobody but those
0: like crazy white supremacists or something are like out there like spewing actual hate. Like
1: most of the people that I met, if you t- meet them, like they, they think they're loving. But judging by the fruit, judging by the fruit in our society, right? We give ourselves a pass when it actually matters.
0: When it actually matters to extend love, to show love, to speak love, to care, to
1: go out of our way. What does love do? Love goes out of its way to help other people. You have to look for ways to help other people.
0: And it's hard. It's hard in our culture. It's hard in this, in this time period that we're in because we get up, we go to work, we're doing our thing and we go to back home and like we're just barely getting by. We've been, we're so busy.
1: Like You have to set aside time just to love other people. To put yourself around other people.
0: To love people who aren't just those you're regularly around, right? Because I could say, well, like I've got, I've got three little girls to love and I've got a wife to love and all of these things. Like I could just stay insular in my own family, but my family's calling is bigger than just loving each other. It starts there. It's got to grow there, but it's got to manifest outside of my family. My, gar- my girls got to see me and my wife loving other people, speaking into other people's lives, pouring out our lives for
1: other people, encouraging, building up bringing food, bring, giving money, giving, like, doing all of these things that show love. People got to see it. And you know those, those
0: acts, those random acts that like stand out to you when somebody does that for you. They're like, this
1: person's actually trying to live the way of love. This person's actually trying to go out of their way for other people. So we've got to crucify the sinful nature with its passions. If you're going to cultivate the fruit of the spirit, you have to crucify the flesh, the sinful flesh. That's a pretty graphic picture. Because, I mean, if we're honest, why do we we sin? Like, if we're honest with ourselves, why do we actually sin? Because we like it. There's a certain amount of pleasure we get. The things that we call sin in the Bible, Scripture actually calls the pleasures of this world. The pleasures of this world. And so, it's a graphic picture of crucifixion
0: of our sinful nature why because you have to realize how ugly it actually is it's pleasure only for a time but it's not going to it's not going to create good fruit it's actually going to put weeds in the garden so to speak if you continue to cultivate the sinful desires the sinful nature what is it going to do it's going to overtake the rest of the garden and push out all
1: the fruit of the spirit of god it's like a weed It's like somebody's just sowing weeds. And hate is going to spring up where love is supposed to be. And bitterness is going to spring up where joy is supposed to be. And anger is going to spring up where patience is supposed to be. Badness where there's goodness. (laughs) I'm trying to bring light moments into this message just because I feel like it's sitting really heavy. But I feel like it's needed. I feel like it's needed for our body. And for those who listen to it on the podcast later, I feel like this is needed for us to grow, to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in this church. And in order to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit, we must die to ourselves, to our sinful nature. And what does Paul say here? He says, to crucify it with Christ. You've got, that's how you've got to look at the sinful things. They're not a badge of honor. The, things, the sinful things in your life, you've got to crucify. You've got to kill it. And notice how he says, with its passions and its desires. He recognizes... But that sinful nature, those simple it's like a, a passion, it's a desire. You make somebody angry, you're gonna see some passion. And you see it real quick. A lot of times when you know you're driving, you see someone cut somebody else off, you see some passion real quick. Right? You can scroll through the internet and you see people arguing politics right now. You see some passion real quick. You can see a lot of anger, a lot of
0: hurt, a lot of bitterness. You've got to recognize those tendencies in your own life, those passions, those desires to stand up for yourself, to be angry, to fulfill lustful desires, to fulfill all all of these things that just stir up on the inside. It's a desire, it's a passion, but it's a desire of the sinful nature and you've got to stop it. And cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. And it's gonna take work. It's gonna take a shift in mindset.
1: And it's probably gonna be a little bit of a battle. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Verse 25. I love that line.
0: So, like, I kind of picture, you know, those old games where you, like, tie your leg to somebody else and you have to walk a certain distance. It's like the three-legged race or whatever. Like,
1: I kind of picture it like that. Except there's no real tie there. I've noticed I'm a taller guy. I've noticed even when I walk by, along with
0: shorter people and I'm walking with them, somehow we manage to walk at the same pace. Most of the time. I'm not in a hurry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But like you find, there's and there's whole studies on this. When you're walking beside someone, you figure, you like after a few strides, you figure out the pace and you start, to, and you're just talking shoulder to shoulder and you start to walk
1: at the same speed. And I need us as a church, as revived to Chicago, to start to think about the spirit like that.
0: Where you're walking in lockstep with the spirit of God and you're not running out ahead
1: and you're not getting behind. You're like in step with the spirit because you're listening, you're talking. And I found like
0: to use that example of, of walking next to someone. like when I'm walking next to my wife and we're out for a walk and we're
1: talking back and forth when we are talking, it's really easy for us to stay in lockstep. When that conversation is happening, but I've found at different times when
0: I'm in a hurry or she's in a hurry and we're not really talking, like it's not like we're not talking, we're mad at each other. We're just like, there's not a conversation actively happening. And you get out of the car and you're in a hurry to go somewhere, and one or the other arrives significantly ahead because you're not paying attention in that moment. And obviously, in the physical, like it's not like my wife and I need to always be in perfect lockstep, as in, you know, like every single second, right? But when there's that conversation happening, I'm using this as an analogy, right? When the active conversation is happening, we stay on pace. And it's almost like the steps take care of themselves. I don't have to think about
1: it. And so if we're going to stay in step with the Spirit, you've got to have that conversation going kind
0: of constantly. And remind yourself to have that conversation so that you stay in lockstep with the Spirit of God. And you know what he's thinking. And you're talking through your own life because that's part of how you cultivate the spiritual gift. You can't cultivate the spiritual gift in your own strength, walking at your own pace, doing your own thing. You walk in the spirit and cultivate the spirit, the spiritual fruit by staying in step with him. This isn't a, hey, go do this on your own. You you just, this isn't a motivational
1: speech. Like, hey, you just need to be more patient. You can do it. Other people are doing it. I don't want to be a motivational speaker. I want to be a pastor that encourages you to be in step with the Spirit of God and gives you that edge. The Spirit of God is an edge over what other people have access to. Because we have Him. We have the Spirit of God. So if our sinful nature is crucified it's dead. We live by the spirit. So we've got to keep in step with the spirit. That's where the life is. That's where the life is. I live by the
0: spirit. That's the only like if I don't live by the spirit then I'm going to I'm just naturally gravitating back toward
1: my sinful desires and my passions. I want to stay in step with the spirit of God. Verse twenty six. I find this kind of an interesting line right in the midst of all of this. He says, "Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other." Like I, I read this passage, I don't know how many times, just preparing for this message, and I, every time I get to that line, and I'm like, "You're talking about being in the spirit. Like, what does this have to do with that?" But,
0: in thinking about it and dwelling on it, letting God speak to me about it, I I found, I think he's right. Because a lot of us, because we're actually, we read this line and it's in context with the fruit of the spirit. But when we hear in step with the spirit and all of it, like we start to think spiritual gifts. If I'm in step with the spirit, I'm prophesying. If I'm in step
1: with the spirit, I'm healing people. If I'm in step with the spirit, you get my point? So we instantly shift to the gifts, not the fruit.
0: And so why does Paul here say, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other? Because he knows if you're doing it through the lens of the gift, that's what's
1: going to happen. You're going to become conceited in your gift. I'm the prophet. I'm the healer. I have this gift flowing through God must, God must love me. Like we
0: don't actually like say that out loud, but like that's kind of what's going through our minds. Like God must love me more than you because he's healed me. He's healed a dozen people or people act like if, if they get a healing, it's because they somehow earned it or had just the right amount of faith. It's like most of the time healing is a gift. Like faith is involved,
1: but it's not something you earned through conjuring up your faith. So you can't become conceited if you're staying in step with the Spirit. The only way to become conceited is if you're focusing on the gifts.
0: And if your focus is on the gifts, then you're going to get puffed up. You're going
1: to think you're more than you are. And you're going to start to lord it over other people or try to get that edge. And this can create
0: friction in the church body. This can create friction between leaders. This can create friction between people in a marriage. Because they're
1: using and leading through their gift instead of through the fruit. How many of you know we see, our eye, we see ourselves through our gifts and we judge other people by their fruit or the lack thereof? That tends to be what happens. So if we have a conversation about this, we're going to accuse
0: the other person of not having fruit, but we're going to be talking about our own gifts. Why? Because again, remember, we're using the gifts in our own mind as validation of who we are. Well, if God's still prophesying through me, then I must be doing okay on the fruit of the Spirit. If I'm still getting dreams and visions, then I must be doing just fine in the love department, the peace department, the patience department, etc. But if the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable, then you got that gift when you were a baby Christian or whenever it was on the timeline, right? You didn't earn it.
1: So then why are you using that gift as some kind of character validation? You can't. That is just misusing the gift. It's abusing the gift. And you're going to end up hurting other people. You're going to end up hurting yourself. and You're going to become conceited. You're going to use your gift to provoke other people. And some of you may not be in these circles, but I just want to speak, speak this out into the airwaves too, because I,
0: I don't, I don't always know like the messages that I get, like, I don't always know if is this for the people right in front of me, which I, it is to a certain extent but like this part of the message like there's there's a lot of christianity out there charismatic christianity that's seeking the gifts talking about the gifts you can go there's websites about prophecy there's websites about healing and if you get really into these gifts and are uh into those websites and read their blogs and listen to their videos like
1: you notice that that's what they're doing they're using their gift as validation of who they are and then i find A lot of times, they're some of the most conceited people. And I'm looking at them and I'm like, you are so arrogant. But man, God's speaking through you. (laughs) How is God still using you? (laughs) Or I listen to their message and I'm like, I see the healings. That's awesome but I've met you before or, you know, just
0: whatever the situation is. And like, I realize that God's word is true. The gifts and calling are irrevocable. He gave the gift. That person prophesies. And they're a lot of times dead on. But I've also seen them, the more conceited they get, because you can't stay conceited for long without it starting
1: to pervert your prophetic gift. You can't stay conceited for too long without it perverting your healing gift. And
0: so you see ministries fall. You see prophecies fail and falter. And people start using their gift for whatever they're interested in.
1: It's one of the other things that I've seen a lot of recently, is people using their prophetic gift to start to prophesy about politics. And they become so conceited and so desirous to provoke other
0: people and evoke and the online space starts to evoke a certain kind of person and personality. And they don't realize that they have started to cater to their audience and what their audience wants to get clicks and get
1: views. And so they make videos prophesying something or teaching something or declaring something. And it's not of God. Or a very, very small portion of it Is of God, and most of it is just clickbait. Most of it is distorted by their own conceit, by their own desires, by their own need for validation. Maybe their need for income.
0: Maybe they need the clicks, they need the views because they quit their job because they thought that their gift meant that they're supposed to be a prophet. So they find an online audience and they start this prophetic ministry, and now they need funds.
1: Well, people who desperately need funds. Preach and speak differently than people who don't. People who can be bought talk differently than people who cannot.
0: And so if you're getting into the spiritual gifts, because I, I, I don't want you to, oh, wow, this is a message where I shouldn't seek the spiritual gifts. Like, I don't, I don't want you to get that.
1: I want you to seek them out. But what I am saying is be careful as you proceed. Maybe don't click on every article. Maybe don't watch every video. Maybe don't read every book. Maybe desire to cultivate the fruit first.
0: Because if you, if you cultivate the fruit first and you've got a gift, it's impossible for you not to use that gift. If I'm, if I'm walking, like my call, especially right now during this season, my call is as a pastor. That's my biggest function. And if I'm, walking, if I'm walking in love, if I'm walking in peace and joy, then I'm going to be the best pastor I can be. If I cultivate the fruit, my gifting is going to take care of itself. It's going to be impossible for me not to do it. If I've got a prophetic gift, if I'm learning to walk in love, that prophetic gift is going to flow. Because I'm out there talking
1: to people and loving on people. It's impossible for the prophetic, prophetic not to flow. You see what I'm saying here? If you cultivate the right thing, the gift will take care of itself. But if you neglect the fruit of the Spirit, and you go chasing after all the giftings and all the latest buzz and all the who's profit so-and-so, and it gets confusing. And you find that some of them are conceited and provoking and envying
0: each other and they're jockeying for position online and trying to get
1: their blog ranked higher than the other. I don't know. Like Social media has created a very strict parameter for how it functions and works. And if you don't play their game, it's not going to pop up and show. And it can start
0: to distort the message. And I'm not, again, I'm not even, I'm not saying social media is all bad or the web is all bad. I'm not saying you can't go and learn things, but take it with a grain of salt.
1: If you look and start to listen to a particular prophet, look for the fruit Try to find the fruit. If you come across
0: somebody new, I'd love, I'd love to have these conversations. I'm always, A, open to finding somebody new who God is using, and B, we could we, we might be able to talk
1: it through and figure out, is this person of God? Is this person somebody we should be listening to right now? Because otherwise it can distract. It can distort. It can set wrong things in your heart, wrong motives. And so as a church, this message is for us to start walking in the fruit of the Spirit and cultivating the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe someday we'll do a message where we go deep, do a deep dive on love and joy and peace. And there's nine fruits listed here. And obviously Paul isn't even saying that they're exhaustive. But there's something powerful about a church that will cultivate the fruit of the Spirit of God first. Because you all have giftings. And God says they're irrevocable. So that means it's not character-based. That means you didn't earn it. Why do you still try? Are you ever going to be holy enough to prophesy? No, but God spoke through a donkey, right? Like you go
0: back and read, I think it's in Numbers. You go read the story of Balaam and God used a donkey to correct a
1: prophet. And this is one of those prophets, like he was so accurate. People paid for his prophecies sometimes. Talk about a distorted message. Like, Hey pastor, can you give me a
0: prophecy? I got 20 bucks. Like, of course he's going to prophesy something good over you, right? Like, it distorts the message. And Balaam had become so distorted. He was a
1: prophet, an accurate prophet. He spoke through God. Scriptures show that. But it also shows that Balaam could be bought. And so it came to a point where Balaam got bought he's going down the road. He's traveling on his donkey. And the
0: donkey starts to talk to him. He got correct. Talk about a humbling experience.
1: You had to get correct. Like nobody, like you wouldn't receive correction from anybody else. You had to receive correction from a donkey. Whew. But it's easy. It's easy to become conceited. It's easy to provoke an envy when your goal is the gifts. But if you have a proper goal of cultivating the fruit, your gifts are going to be in alignment. Your gifting cannot be your identity. It cannot be used to conv-
0: compare to other people. It should not be used for self-benefit, but most people I've seen inevitably do that. I probably haven't been immune. I don't know. Somewhere along the way, I'm sure I used my gifts for my own benefit. Like, that's where a message like this, that's where scriptures like this convict, rebuke, correct, and show us the way. That's not what your gift is for. Your gift isn't for an elevated status. Your gift isn't for a stage or a microphone. Your gift is for other people to show the fruit, to cultivate
1: the fruit of the Spirit of God, to love other people. And if you will do those things, then the gift will come. And the gift will have its proper place. If we don't, our sinful nature will corrupt our gift. We don't crucify it. We don't put it to death. Our sinful nature will corrupt our gifts. It'll distort the message. And it won't show right away. It doesn't usually... That's the interesting thing. The gift... Here's why we like it. Here's one of the other reasons why we like it. The gift is now. I can open it. And it feels instantaneous. Fruit takes time. Right? And we're not even just talking about like, oh, all summer. Right? How many times, like, how many trees, a lot of people don't know this about fruit trees. If you plant an apple seed, how many years before you get an apple? Minimum seven. Seven years. And so like, and there's a range, like depending on the apple variety, it could be up to like eleven. That's a long time. That takes one of the fruits of the spirit, patience. <laughs> You're like, God, how am I supposed to
0: wait for this fruit of love if I don't have patience first? Like, Maybe that's a gift I could get. Holy Spirit, give me the gift of patience. <laughs> right? But think about that. This is why the gifts are so attractive. Is because they're so instant. But so is the rest of our culture right now. We live in a microwave culture that wants everything. Like, If that Pop-Tart ain't hot in three seconds, then we're walking away right if we can't pull up to the drive through and sit there for less than 3 minutes then we're going to the
1: next drive through cuz we we live in this just self, like quick gratification mentality it's so fast
0: everything's fast everything happens now and we do the same thing with our spiritual gifts and it happens now and so you get that gift and what do you want to do you want to use it and god is excited for
1: people to use his gifts he wants you to use your gifts but not at the neglect of the fruit. The spiritual gifts are for the building up of the body. It's a good thing.
0: I hope nobody listening to this message is like, pastor doesn't want me to prophesy. I want you to prophesy. I want you to speak in tongues. I want you to flow in healing. If we could say it this way. It sounds audacious, I guess, but like I've, I've flown in healing. i, I I've seen it through my hands. I don't need to start to like, oh, the pa- it has to be the pastor that healing happens. Like, I don't want it to be that. I want it to be the church people. If it happens through me, great. If we pray for it and it happens, great. But like, I'd rather see, it, I, it would give me so much more joy
1: to show you, Dono, how, like lay your hands on somebody and watch them recover through you. And it just, it blows your mind when it happens. And you watch healing flow through your hands. It's like, whew. First time
0: you're like, "Hmm." (laughs) what's happening? You know, but it's not of you. It's the, how did we start this message? It's the same spirit. It's the spirit of God that flows through each one of us. And he's the gift giver. And he will help you cultivate your fruit too. You're not alone in this but you have to change your mentality. You can't have a short-term mentality.
1: You've got to cultivate the fruit. You've got to be purposeful about it. You've got to be intentional. You've got to read. You've got to study. Pull, up, pull out the book of Galatians.
0: Read the book of Galatians. It's, one of the, it's a good way to cultivate the fruit.
1: Go read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's not a wedding chapter. It works great at weddings, but it's not a wedding chapter. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about how to love. How to actually do it. And I think it's a good reminder for us in this church. So as we
0: close today, would you stand? Thank you for listening today. Now it's time to put your faith into action by applying this word to your life. If you'd like help taking your next steps with Jesus, contact us at revivechicago.church.